Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. Dun, 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 dun. This is week 40. Now, because of, we skipped a few weeks in the middle of the summer, That's right. this is the final podcast of season one of Understanding Jesus. That's right, it is. Even, that though, is even though it's in the new year, even it's, though it's 2021. Yeah. Right yeah. now, it's technically, yeah, 2021. This will come out on, uh, let's say the 5th, so it'll come out on the 7th. Yes. Of January. Yes. But this covers, you want to tell them what that covers? It covers, uh, revel, uh, well, it covers Revelation. I'm, I was going to say the date. It covers, why don't you tell us what it covers? Uh, sure, yeah. I've got this. I actually <laughs> I got said, the, December 20th. I have a cheat sheet here. There it is. So, oh, um, I see it now. Yep. It's Micah, Micah 6, all the way through Malachi. So we got Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Um, and uh, Psalms, the, uh, Psalms 145 through 150, uh, Proverbs 30 and 31, and Revelation chapter 10 to the end. To the end. The apocalypse Amen. comes to a conclusion. And it's very convenient that the final books of the of the Old Testament rhyme, because it there would be no way to remember them. <laughs> Other than the song that plays in my head, the song, the Old Testament song. That's right. No, don't don't you don't have to sing it for us. No, so I don't. I, I won't because my my dad made it up. Oh, really? And um, because m- my parents uh, were kind of first generation uh, Christians, as uh-huh. we think of Christians in their homes, so my dad made up a song while I was in Awana, so I could memorize yeah. it. And everyone else knows a different song than me, but uh-huh. I know my dad's song. Wow. <laughs> but I'm not going to share it because. It's probably plagiarized. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'm excited to dig into this. It is. The, I, I really love uh, how we were joking about how God brings us all to a close in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's so much. It's it's crazy because you're reading the Minor Prophets and you get this uh, apocalyptic kind of feel to it. And then you're reading Revelation where you get this super apocalyptic feel to it. And then uh, Proverbs kind of um, gives us this, the Proverbs 31 woman is just expounded mm. upon. And uh, we close out with that. What a neat way to close out Proverbs. And, uh, and then Psalms, uh, just a good word. So just some really solid reading over the at the end of the year I, I one of the things about doing a bible reading plan that you have to kind of just get into is that your reading is always going to end in revelation at the end of the year you're, at christmas time you're always going to be <laughs> dealing with <laughs> apocalyptic uh happenings uh you and want to uh, talk about the first coming of christ but you yes, end up yes you get the, you get the harlot of babylon right. or whatever <laughs> right there coming down your chimney uh and oh uh, <laughs> so it's a a a very very dark uh time but it ends with such if you can just hang in there it ends so amazing. It's such a great. I mean, that's the whole point of Revelation is to leave people with this incredible, um, incredible vision of God winning, and uh, and so that's that's and, and 
the end of 2020, I think that's what we all needed. So if you haven't finished yet, uh, well, then skip to the end yeah. <laughs> and uh, and start afresh or continue on. You know, I, I, that's the thing about Bible readings. It doesn't matter where you are. We just uh, we're just telling you where we are reading. But wherever you are reading, uh, just continue reading. And, and the handy uh, thing is now we have a se- whole season out where we've talked about the whole Bible. Right. So if you want to pick up where you left off, you can listen to that podcast. That's right. And it's already available to you. Well, how exciting is that? Man, we yeah. have like a library now. Yes, we don't really even have to do this anymore because we've done the full we've, thing. We've pretty much yeah. talked about the, everything there everything is Everything there Bible. is, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any more to cover. That's right. But uh, the cool part about this next season uh, will be, as we look at it, to see that it will be very different. Yeah. That we'll see all different things. And and we can continue doing this till Jesus comes and we won't finish um Finish everything that there is to share. That's that's why it's so so exciting. I've been doing this for a very long time, as far as uh, reading through the Word each year and 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 looking at what God has to say. I'm sometimes I will see the same passage. It, it'll be the same exact passage that will speak to me every single time I read it uh, for that reading. But uh, more often than not, it's something completely new. So mm-hmm. so when we come back, we're going to look at uh, uh, what God showed us through the Bible in these last uh, few weeks. Okay, here we are. After the break, now we're talking about the devotional moments we've had during this reading. That's right, and there's a lot here. There's, yeah, so be gracious unto us because yeah. we have, we're trying to talk in just like 10 to 20 minutes of several chapters, yes. several books of the Bible. There was so much, yeah. um, like Revelation, for instance, I, you could spend, just take several verses of Revelation, we could spend the entire time yeah. talking about it. So we're trying to highlight some of the things. I'm going to stick to what God spoke to me through my quiet time uh, as I read through those passages. Awesome. 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 All right. So do you want to start or do you want me to start? Sure. I'll start. Okay. Um, and uh, and I'm starting with uh, Habakkuk. Um, it comes after Nahum. And um, let me, t- I'm turning to my Bible. Habakkuk chapter two. Um, and here is what it says. Um, going to verse... Uh, let me go to verse two. It says, the Lord answered me, write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. Look, his in- ego is inflated. He is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by his faith. Moreover, wine betrays, an arrogant man is never at rest. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and like death, he is never satisfied. He gathers all the nations to himself. He collects all the peoples for himself. Won't all of these take up a taunt against him with mockery and riddles about him? They will say, woe to him who amasses what is not his. How much longer? And loads himself with goods taken in pledge. Won't your creditors suddenly arise and those who disturb you wake up? Then you will become spoiled for them. Since you have plundered many nations, all the peoples who remain will plunder you because of human bloodshed and violence against lands, cities, and all who live in him. Woe to all who live in them. Woe to him who dishonestly makes wealth for his house to place his nest on high to escape the grasp of disaster. And uh, and this is... Um, this is uh, obviously um, talking about the Babylonians. I don't know if you know that or not, but <laughs> I say obviously. Obviously. obviously he's Everyone talking about knows. the Babylonians. Uh, but uh, but there is this – but there is truth always involved in it. And um, I 
it it did it, it connected it convicted me when I read it about uh, about giving, and and this sounds sounds strange, but it's like there's this there's this idea of the world to take and take and take and take and take and take. And uh, and for the for the church, we are people who are to have a spirit of giving. We are people who understand that it is better to give than to uh, receive. Um, and we always have excuses as to why we do not give. We have, you know, I've got this going on or I've got this coming up or whatever. But if you really narrow it down, it's like I've got my own agenda. Mm. I've got my own plan, my own world I'm trying to conquer. And I'm laying waste to whatever it is that God had desired for me in order to accomplish that which I want. And instead of me organizing my life in such a way of saying, I'm going to give to God what is his, I'm going to worship him, I'm going to follow in obedience. Instead, we are like, nope, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to spend my money how I want to spend it and do what I want to do with it. And when we do that, uh, we God is not our God. Uh, and, and that's why he says you can't serve both God and mammon or, or materialism, uh, because if you serve materialism, then you're, God, you're not going to have enough mm-hmm. because God will not give you more. He's, he's, only, he's only apportioning for you what you need in order to do what he wants you to do. Um, and uh, and we, we just have to be – I think this is a great time, great opportunity for people to take a very careful look at their stewardship. And I know we're going to speak about that. I know um, we talked about Malachi addressing that quite a bit, but uh, but actually it's all throughout God's word, being, being good stewards of the resources we have. You know, the first of the year is always a time of reflection, uh, and and that's and as as you're reading through, as I was reading through, you know, getting uh, cl- closing out the year, uh, just thinking in terms of all these, um, uh, so many, so many. I, I can always look at leaders of the world or leaders that we've had over the past, and and look at how they're very similar to the leaders of Babylon, and it's easy to look and say, oh, look this. This leader of the country was like this, or this congressperson was like this, or this nation is like this. But really, we're all like that, mm-hmm. um, and they they reflect who we are. If we were in those same positions, we would probably do the exact same things because that's where our heart is. Our heart is about our own self-preservation, uh, getting as much as we can for ourselves. And if that's in your character when you have few things— well, it's going to still be your character when you have a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, did you ever think about if you were the leader of the free world, if you had the ability to influence people to get more out of it, and would you not do that? Mm-hmm. And and we and if you're doing it where you are right now, if you're doing that at work, or if you're doing that at church, or if you're doing that in your house, uh, even with my spouse, when I'm trying to manipulate situations where I'm getting the better part of things mm-hmm. and not giving her the better part of things— uh, then that's that's what I'm going to do on a larger scale too. So it's it's a great opportunity for us to to look and say, you know what, I need to be. Um, what was the what was the verse there? It is, uh, but the righteous one will live by his faith, and um, and that's that's God's answer. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm going to flip over to Proverbs 31, and uh, Proverbs 31. If you uh, if you're a lady listening, um, Proverbs 31 probably probably is like your life chapter. Uh, I know 
Um, everyone wants to be the Proverbs 31 woman, yeah. and it's it's a huge goal for, for, for girls to have, and I think it's awesome. Um, like, great text just to set up, and men looking for, like, their future spouses and using this as, like, a like a checkbox uh, thing for her, and that's that's awesome. It's, but... a, fu- it's a funeral passage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Uh, well, I'm just I'd say it's, I've used it so many times <laughs> at funerals. It's like it's just it's not wedding. Re- it's just funeral. yeah, yeah it's right. So, okay, I mean, obviously, everybody wants me to read that at their funeral, and sometimes I have justifiably oh, so. Oh sure, actually, my grandma they read it at my grandma's funeral. See? I told you, I, it's a funeral. Now passage, that you mentioned yeah. that, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. forgot. Yeah. Um, but I, in the, actually, the first half of Proverbs 31 is directed to the man, um, mm. the man who wants to be a king. Right. Um, it says in verse one, uh, the words of King Lemuel, my, uh, my commentary says that, that we don't know anything about a King Lemuel, um, but it may be Bathsheba's name for Solomon, like her, uh, it means, um, belonging to God. So she may have like used that as a dedication name for, for, uh, Solomon. Um, but, but anyway, I just, I'm gonna I want to read through just the just two through nine, and just kind of give like this kind of archetype of of the man that like is to be a kingly man, right? So so just real quick, it says, "What O my son, and what O son of my womb, and what O son of my vows? Do not give your strength to woman, O or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink, for they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted." Give strong drink to him who is perishing, and wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his trouble no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. And I just ca- I just have, like, kind of similar to the way girls make the list of the latter half of the chapter, I kind mm-hmm. of have, like, a list for men in that first half. And um, on the first one is... Uh, Watch who you spend your time with. It says it's not for kings to go, um, you know, going about with just girls. You know, it's watch who you spend your time with. Like, be careful who your friends are. Be careful who you're seen with. Um, be careful who you're with at all times. Um, second is how watch how you spend um, your time and what you give yourself to. Mm. Because um, not not all things are bad that you can give your time to, but. To be like to set yourself up as like a king, as a royal, we're, we're called a royal priesthood, right? We have we have this this mark of kingliness, princehood in us as Christians, as as part of the family of God. So we need to watch what we spend our time doing, what we give ourselves to. Um, next thing is how we treat alcohol. Um, he he says it's not for kings to to be flippant with alcohol. Alcohol has its place, but it's not for kings to abuse that. So watch how hmm. you use it. Um, nextly is how you do justice. And he, he kind of repeats this later and I'll, I'll cycle back to it, but how, how does a king do justice? Mm. And, um, for us as believers and as, especially as men, we are, that is our role in the world is to make sure justice is done and God's justice is carried out and speaking up for the person who needs it. Um, next I have watch how you use the things of the world to do God's work. Um, that's he, 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 the, the author references, um, alcohol again here, but it's just this idea of using what the world has to do what God wants. And he Hmm. says, use alcohol for the person who's hurting, you know, use what the world has to help to accomplish God's mission. We're supposed to be salt and light in the world. And we can use the things of the world to do 
to accomplish God's purposes. Those are the tools He gives us. Be wise as a king and do, and use what you have. And um, and lastly, is just how you use your words. Um, so mm. Verse nine says, "Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy." So we can use our words to. Um, you know, we can use our words carelessly most of the time, honestly. Like, we don't, most of us don't set out our days to be, um, to use our mouth poorly. You know, we try to keep a rein on our tongue as Christians, but how can we, like, actively use our mouth to defend the rights of the needy? Right. Uh, because I'm not, I'm not like a needy person. I have, I have the ability to defend needy people. And I hope that when I am in need, that others will come alongside me and defend me. So, um, so what the grace that's given to me, how can I pass that on to others? And, um, so anyway, I just, I love Proverbs 31, the early part, not that the latter part isn't, you you can't turn some words around and make it applicable to men as well. But I just see that first part and setting yourself up as a a king, since we are the children, the child of, of the king. Right. I think it's very applicable to the Christian life, and mm. um, I love it. I solid love it. stuff, Daniel. Solid, yeah, it's solid text. Wow. So anyway. Yeah, good stuff. Wow. I don't know if I really have anything to share after that, but I will anyway. No, yeah. um, well, I mean, because of this text. I don't want to take away anything from God's Word. Yeah. But uh, Haggai, uh, one of the things about the Minor Prophets is one of those – there are books I glossed over for so long. Mm. I think one of the great values of doing the reading plan and, and reading through the Bible and so forth is it pushes you through the Minor Prophets where you normally don't go. Mm. And, uh, and and it, it takes some time to meditate upon what they're saying. And, and in your meditation, take some time to learn who you're reading about and who these people were. And, and Because the Minor Prophets are not Minor Prophets. I really I really did believe this that it was like the like baseball like you had the major league you had the <laughs> major major profits yep. and then the minors you know were trying to be like major profits they just didn't couldn't quite live up to that and so forth. but that's that's not the truth at all it doesn't make the, in fact it's really hard to get that mindset because you think oh Daniel's much better than Haggai <laughs> you know he's, so because he's got this big Isaiah's book. just it's, Isaiah's great uh, but the truth is they just had longer books that's why they're called major profits mm-hmm. and these guys had shorter books but doesn't mean that they were lesser in any way form or fashion. But Haggai was someone that God used when they were coming back to rebuild the temple. And what God did with these uh, these prophets was he gave them a word. It was a brief word, really. But it was a word that was recorded, and it was an important message to communicate, usually to a king or to a nation, um, that this is what God's trying to say. And it usually addressed something very specific and to the point, like Jonah, for instance, addressing Nineveh. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about that before. But Haggai was addressing the rebuilding of the temple. And, uh, and, and it was a, uh, it was a message that God was trying to say, you have really suffered because of what you've done. And I want to bless you. Mm. I want to pour out my blessing on you, but you've got to do this the way that I want you to do it. And, uh, and he says, um, um, he says in verse 12 of chapter two, he says, if a man is carrying consecrated meat, in the fold of his garment, and it touches bread, stew, wine, oil, or any other food, does it become holy? And the priest answered, no. Then Haggai asked, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches any of these, does it become defiled? The priest answered, it becomes defiled. And then Haggai replied, so is this people, and so is this nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration, and so is every work of their hands, even what they offer there is defiled. 
And then I mean, he's saying the things that you've done uh, now you've you've messed up your sacrifice. You're coming offering me things. You're going through the the ritualistic uh, experience of worship, but it doesn't mean anything because of who you are and what you've become. Uh, and yet you keep bringing it, thinking it's going to make it better, mm-hmm. but it doesn't get any better. But then he gives us hope. He says, now from this day on, and and that's why I love things like that because it does. There's there's your goal setting. Mm-hmm. From this day on, think carefully. Before one stone was placed on another in the Lord's temple, what state were you in? Now, he's not talking about geographical states, obviously. He's talking about what condition were you in. When someone came to a grain heap of 20 measures, it only amounted to 10. When one came to the wine press at 50 measures from the vat, it only amounted to 20. They were being dishonest. I struck you, all the works of your hands, with blight, mildew, and hail, but you didn't turn to me. This is the Lord's declaration. From this day on, think carefully. From the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day of the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, think carefully. Is there still seed left in the granary? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet produced. But from this day on, I will bless you. There is a common theme throughout all of God's word. When we repent and we say, okay, you are right, God. We have not followed you faithfully. We have not done things according to your word. And we begin to do things according to his word. He blesses us. He he stops whatever form of discipline, whatever wrath he was pouring out. He ends it and he begins to turn everything around. Uh, and that's true in our individual lives. It's true in our corporate lives, I mean, our church lives. It's true as, as a nation. Uh, and and one of the things that's so hard, I'm when you read through the Bible, you think you, you can't help but think, we are so far from that as a nation, as a people. And many times as a church, you think we are so far removed from that. I've heard people tell me, I've been in, I've been pastor churches and they're like, we couldn't do church discipline because if we did church discipline, we'd have to discipline everybody. Mm. And then I'm like, then we have to discipline everybody. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not an option. It's like, then we all have to repent. You know, and if you look at the Bible, that's exactly what they did. They all corporately came and said, you know, we're all wrong. We're all doing things that are wrong. And there's no there's no ability to heal unless you do that. There's no ability to receive the. I mean, God is just waiting there, bless. And I, I always think that's that's how I relate to my own children. I mean, if they are completely being unruly and they refuse to repent and they're completely being defiant and rebellious, I'm not getting ice cream. You know, we're not. There's right. good things are not going to happen. <laughs> uh, and it's like, but if you'll stop them, if you'll just end this. And come back on to the the plan here, uh, then yeah, then there'll be reward and yeah. blessing, uh, and and they learn that. Mm. Uh, if and that's that's so if you're parenting, I've I've seen this mistake done in parenting. Here's just a little parenting lecture here. But I, when I used to teach school, I had a kid who was failing and had gotten called to the principal's office, and he came back the next day with a new pair of shoes. And I said, where'd you get new shoes? And he said, uh, my grandma said that uh, she's giving me new shoes. Uh, because uh, if, you know, to motivate me to do better. And it's like, that didn't work. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, as his teacher, it didn't change anything. And it's completely wrong. Mm. Uh, Because what you're doing is, what you're saying is, you did something wrong, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to bless you. God does not. God's much wiser than that kid's grandmother. And God says, I I need you, I need prodigal kids to come home. Mm. I need you to stop what you're doing realize the error of your ways, come back to me and now begin to obey me. And as you obey me, I'll bless me and I'll bless you. 
And they were getting ready to do something really amazing, really very important. And and one of the things we looked at when we were in Ezekiel is, um, you know, why didn't they build Ezekiel's temple? Why did Zerubbabel not uh, build, why did they build the temple they built and not Ezekiel's temple? And one of the uh, commentaries I was reading was, it may have just been because of their own disobedience, because of where their hearts were. Mm. They just built the one they wanted to build. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I don't know if that's true or not, but... It's true that they didn't build it. Um, and I know some people say, well, it's going to come later or whatever. But the truth is, is that they had the opportunity to have it then, mm-hmm. uh, but they didn't. And then Herod tore that whole thing down and built his own. Uh, so when Jesus was there, I mean, it was it was just a building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, and he said, I'm going to tear it all down. I mean, Jesus came and fixed it all. So there's no there's no need for Ezekiel's temple anymore because Jesus took that temple down and he is the temple and then makes us the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we will. Uh, and that's and that's where our worship is forever. But um, but anyway, that's um, that's a it's a it's a powerful moment where you where you see we we need a, a moment to examine ourselves to evaluate um, the, cons- the the consequences of disobedience and the value of being obedient. Um, it's God is our sustainer. He is our provider. Uh, if we really believe that then we will do what he says, believing that he will take care of us when we do as he asks. Yeah. And it's so great how we, um, you know, we, we run and we run and we run and we run the opposite direction from God. And he find like, just like a parent, like mm-hmm. you said, he's just like, I need like discipline comes and it's coming. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to do this yeah. to you because he loves us. And it's not like we have to make up all the ground that we lost right, right before he'll accept us back. It's just, if we would just, Turn around. around. Yeah, yeah, just turn around. Then, then, then we, then he can make things right. Now we may, he may have to walk us back to where <laughs> we yeah. had started. Um, but, but we can, we can have grace immediately. Yeah. We just don't want to turn around. Yeah. Like we're, we're like spoiled rotten kids. Yeah. And and I see that even just raising like raising my two kids right now. Like, I say things to them, and I think that they are so dumb in some of the things that they do. And they don't know my heart that I would just, I would help them. I would give them everything that they need if they would just stop doing whatever they're doing. And then I think of, and I, and I tell that to them. And then it's like, God's telling me my words back to me. (laughs) That's right. Same thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, if you would just, you know, so that's so good. Mm. Okay. Um, my last little bit here is, uh, Psalms, just to finish up the Psalms, okay? So Psalms 145 to 150, I, I, they're very, very similar in scope and in theme. And I didn't want to pick just one, so I picked them all. And so <laughs> like I've got a similar, similar to my list from Psalm, uh, Proverbs 31, I have a list of Psalms 145 to 150 because all six of those, one, two, three, yeah, six of those chapters are just ways that we praise the Lord. Obviously, we all know the, the book of Psalms is a book of worship, and it's it's you can get a lot of worship stuff from the Psalms. But um, there's like it's like a blueprint that he lays out in 145 to 150, and each has kind of an overarching theme. Um, 140, and I'll just list them here for for my devotion, like this this bit here. Uh, Psalm 145. Uh, what is the subject matter of worship? Well, that's the splendor of His presence. Mm. Okay, that's like that's how we enter into worship. That's that's our that's our desire is the splendor of His presence. 146 is um, the idea of fully relying on Him above all others. It lists other things we could rely on, but we are to rely on Him. And again, it, every all of these build on themselves, and I, it's 
It's beautiful how it's laid out. 147, uh, it's the joy one can find in praising the creator of all things. I used to think that worshiping God, um, and I wouldn't have said this out loud. I wouldn't have even said that I believed this, but my mm. my actions and my heart in worship revealed that I didn't think that worshiping God should be fun or enjoyable. Yeah. Because truthfully, worship is not about how we feel. It's not. Um, but there is joy that can be found. That's just not our number one aim in worship. Our aim should be to you know give of ourselves. But there is if you're if you're doing it right, you should be thrilled mm. because you are in the splendor of His presence. Um, one forty eight. Um, who or what should praise God? Well, all creatures, all created things, angels in heaven, humanity here, um, rocks and mountains and trees and sky, all the things is like that song, all creatures of our God and King, all creation, praise the Lord. Um, number 149, God's delight when his people find new ways to praise him. Um, mm. I mentioned, um, recently that um the, the god's word says i think it was i don't think it was on the podcast i think it was somewhere else but um where it says that god's um it is the glory of god to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out right and just the that there are constantly new ways to worship god and mm. god delights when his people find those ways mm. uh is is mind-blowing to me read psalm 149 for that and uh psalm 150 finishes out the book of psalms and it just talks about the character of the praise uh, that that we give him. And that is, I mean, it repeats the word loud. I don't know how many times, but loud. You've got multiple instruments. There's dancing. And it's just this cacophony of praise. I was, my quiet time this morning was um, in First Kings chapter 1. I'm starting the books of Kings uh, the, uh, for this month or whatever. And um, that is, it talked about how Israel's celebration was so loud that the ground actually cracked from the noise mm. and it's like i that that is praise and that's the kind mm. of praise that the psalmist is used to we, we think of david dancing through the streets with severe intensity and trumpets the loudest instrument of the day was trumpets and cymbals and all those things are listed and um just the the abandon that mm. worship has and i i picture that in heaven one day and um, and I'm I'm over here on Sunday mornings with a decibel meter trying to make sure it's not too loud <laughs> and uh, not to hurt any ears. And that's not something we're going to have to worry about in heaven. Yeah, It's going to be as loud as we want. And yeah. our ears will not hurt. People will not, um, will not question dancing in the streets. And it'll be glorious. Yeah. And so the worship, I mean, 145 to 150, if you want to get a picture of what God desires in worship, six chapters right there. They're all real short. Check them out. It's a good time. Good stuff. Now, tell me again, what was the what's the last one you have? Uh, I'm, I've got one more. I would, one fifty. I've got two. I've got no. What were you going to share next? That's that's that was my last. I, I thought you had something for Revelation. Oh, Revelation twenty verse five. This is more of an oh. observation. Oh, okay. Anything else? Hold off on that then. Okay, I will. As I was going to do Revelation nineteen. Do it. Okay. Um, it says, and I saw the beast, the kings of the earth. And their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were uh, were filled with their flesh. What a Awesome graphic graphic picture <laughs> yes and and this is what uh this is the word that stuck out to me in that by which he deceived 
those who receive the mark of the beast. And I think, you know, as everybody looks, you know, always afraid of the mark of the beast or whatever, I think the thing that people should fear more than anything is deception. And that deception has been Satan's hallmark from the very beginning. He deceived Eve and then, and thus, and Adam, you know, also deceived. It is the deception of man uh, because all Satan is doing, he has one goal. And that's for you to believe, for you to not believe God and to believe what he's trying to say. So you're either believing the truth that God shares or you're believing the lie of the enemy. And how easy it is for us to believe the lie. How to and and the set, the hard, worst part about being deceived, and I think the scariest part about being deceived, is that you don't know you're being deceived, and you're even now you're like, how do I know this is the truth? And 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 that's where the word of God comes in. If people wonder why we spend so much time studying the word of God and why we're so strict about it and about defending its inerrancy and infallibility and so forth, it's because if if we don't know, if we don't have the confidence in His word, we don't have confidence in anything. Right. Because uh, we're our minds are always subject to deception and to being uh, led astray. Um, and Satan himself and all his influences, with, I mean, he's using every force in the world to just devise the cunningly devised fables is what the word says. And uh, and he himself is deceived uh, in his own deception. But he uses this to to misdirect people and, and use the Bible out of context and to lead people astray. Um, in our in our current reading, we're looking at the temptations of that are come to Jesus and how Jesus refuted those things. And he refuted them with the word. It was and, and that's the only way we can refute them is is when people say, well, this is what I think. This is what I think. We always have to come back with, well, this is what the word says. And that's all we have. If the word is not true, then I don't have anything. I got nothing. I have absolutely nothing to put confidence and hope in and so forth if I do not have um, the word of God because I've been deceived so many times. But um, – and let me tag on to that. <laughs> let me add this to it because it's uh, – it's well, it's my podcast. Um, <laughs> in Malachi chapter 1, uh, he says, And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While while this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? There, speaking of deception, the, the he's saying when you get ready to offer your gift to um, – because we're going to head into tax season. When you're ready to offer your gift to God, ask yourself, do you, do you question – I mean do you – do you treat the government the same way that you treat God? Mm. I mean, the, go- the government asks for what it asks for. You have it automatically taken out of your check. Many many people don't even pay attention to the taxes they pay. It's automatically deducted. Mm. Uh, do you dispute that? Do you take it? Do you not send it to them? Do you go to people and stuff? Some people do, obviously. So I know, <laughs> I know that. But but I'm saying, why not do the same for God if not better? Why do we give people of honor or people with power? What, what we believe to be power, and and, and that's the deception. Yeah. The deception is is that the government is who has power. We're afraid of the government. What will the government do to me if I don't give them my taxes? What will the government do to me? And I'm not telling you not to pay your taxes because Jesus says to render to Caesar that which is Caesar and, and, and pay the taxes. I'm saying do not give God less fear uh, than you give the government. Do not give him less honor. Do not give him less reverence. Do not give him less respect than you do for other people. Um, I've, I've always been convicted about how I treat, um, 
people, you know, the do it unto the least of these, my brethren kind of thing. Uh, no matter how much I want to convince myself that I treat everybody the same, he reveals to me constantly, I do not do that. Yeah. I do not treat everybody the same. Yeah. I treat people of honor. I, I clean my house up differently or I straighten myself up. Some, I've watched my presentation differently around certain people than I do others. Uh, and uh, I'm always so convicted. Malachi is such a convicting mm-hmm. book. It is. It is Malachi is, is a book. That, it's good that it closes out because – um, you're closing out the Old Testament by saying, here are the consequences of being deceived. And then in Revelation, it's like, all right, now here are the total <laughs> consequences of being deceived. Malachi is like, this is your last warning. You know, uh, Jesus is going to get ready to come on the scene and so forth and give you an opportunity to escape this coming wrath. But here is why coming wrath is coming for you, because you have absolutely no reverence for God whatsoever. And unless you submit to Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, changed by him, and begin to honor him, to hallow his name, as Jesus told us to pray. Unless you begin to do that, then all the things, then you are going to be with the beast in Revelation, because uh, that is who Satan is. He is the one who um, gives uh, that which is lame and that which is blind. Um, so anyway. Yeah, like like you, were, you were saying, it made me think, Malachi says, this is this is your warning, Jesus is about to come. Right. And in Revelation, it's like, Jesus is about to come. There's no more warnings. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There, the warnings are over. Should have listened to the prophets. Yep. Cool. Absolutely. Cool, cool. All right. Well. You have something in Revelation have, 20. I, we'll, you know, we, I do, but. Do when we come back? Let's do when we come back. Okay. Yeah. All right, we are back in the final segment of the final episode of season one, and we have some 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 hard hitting questions here. Yes. Um, and uh, and full disclosure, we talked about this during the break that one of the questions is in Revelation. Now, the benefit of all the other books of the Bible is that they are all squarely no contest. Everyone believes they happened in the past. <laughs> exactly. Okay? Yeah. We have the full we have context for those. Yes. Um, and uh, Revelation is is a little more nuanced to many. So. Yeah. Um, we're going to enter into it with grace. Well, yeah. And there's, there's a little bit of a qualifier there that there are Old Testament passages that we know they did happen in the past, mm-hmm. but they could have also a potential have a future, future, ref- right, yeah, yeah. future meaning. Yeah. Um, but, but Revelation is – the same, same is true for Revelation because it's important to remember that it was written 2,000 years ago. Yeah, so true. a lot has transpired between then and now. So is it – is it future for them, but mm-hmm. not future for us, or is it still future for us? Right. So. And so, if you've ever asked those questions, we're sure to give you the for sure answer today. <laughs> um, yeah. But but anyway, we're entering into into it with grace and humility, and yeah. uh, and we're just asking questions. But the first one is not in Revelation. Yeah. First question is from Zechariah. Zechariah. Uh, so, Pastor Troy, in Zechariah three, it mentions uh, Joshua, and mm-hmm. I think of a particular Joshua course because i'm limited minded in scope but it seems like the timing's off so you want to you want to explain this yes joshua? and uh, he has a vision uh it's his fourth vision in zechariah and it says he showed me the high priest joshua standing before the angel of the lord with satan standing at his right side to accuse him uh and and this is this is just an interesting take on pronouns uh if you read uh, more modern translations you'll notice the pronouns he she uh, it are not capitalized because everything is capitalized. And so the figuring out when we capital, when you see things capitalized in the Bible, that means a translator looked at it, said, this is a reference to God mm. or to Jesus. And they would sometimes capitalize a pronoun 
that they believe is referring to Jesus or to God. Sometimes that may or may not be accurate. Sure. And if you've ever, if you know syntax and grammar and so forth, when you're when you're when you're saying a sentence and you're talking about something he said, well, who is the he I'm talking about? Right. And ancient Hebrew, did they have capital letters in ancient Hebrew? Uh, well, they did. I mean, but it, they didn't it was, do it the same was, way we but do. It was, but when in the text we're looking at, mm-hmm. every it was all capital, so both in mm-hmm. Greek and Hebrew. So mm-hmm. even if you're reading the Septuagint, all the letters are capital, mm-hmm. and so you're trying to decide where proper nouns are and so forth based on context, and 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 they did an adequate job. But like in the in the newer translations. They're like, well, you know what? It, it doesn't differentiate. Mm. So I'm. So they don't. They just. They through humility <laughs> say, yeah. we're just going to write it the way it's communicated. This is obviously a proper noun, and so we will capitalize it. This is a pronoun. We're not sure mm. who it's going to relate to, mm-hmm. so we're going to let the reader okay. see it through the through the Holy Spirit as it was given to us. Cool. And so, um, but when you're reading the King James, New King James, there's those capital letters. And here's something interesting. When you're reading about Joshua in chapter 3 of Zechariah, there is no capital letter. So mm-hmm. the author or the, the translator said this is not a reference to Christ. Christ, okay. Uh, but it could be. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is, is because Joshua in the Old Testament is the name of Christ. And so very, I think it's a very compelling thing. And, and one of the reasons why it doesn't is because uh, of the word, it'll, it'll talk about the sins of Joshua. But what, however you translate it, Joshua here is, rep, is a representative of Israel. And, and I think one of the compelling things here, it says, now Joshua was dressed with filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. So the angel of the Lord spoke to those standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to him, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will close you with festive robes. I, when I read this, and again, this is my take, um, it is a clear, to me, a clear representation of what Jesus did. Mm. He took up on him the sins of Israel. He, uh, and through his death, was then uh, resurrected and then restored in glory. And so, and then, and, and that, I think this is a, it's a great, it says, and I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So a clean turban was placed on his head and they clothed him in garments while the angel of the Lord was standing nearby. Now the angel of the Lord, obviously they're saying, well, this is Jesus doing this to Israel, but it's the angel of the Lord also is God, you know, when the angel Lord is who spoke out of the bush and we uh, to the burning bush to um, to Moses. And there we see that as a reference to God speaking. And obviously God is God. Right. And so it's it's not here. I, I think you see a, a a aspect of God speaking to the, the man, Jesus. And again, this is all prophecy. And, uh, but, um, he says, this is what the Lord of armies says. If you walk in my ways and keep my mandates, you will both rule my house and take care of my courts. I will also grant you access among those who are standing here. That is exactly what God did for Christ. Mm. I I just think when we read about uh, what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he does, that Jesus is, is Israel. He is he is the representative he is the only representative representative of Israel who actually fulfills the covenant and in doing so is able to fulfill all the promises receives all the promises mm-hmm. of the covenant in himself and then he gives those to us it's kind of like if you think of it like Israel's being reduced down smaller and smaller i mean with Solomon it's after Solomon it splits so you now you have Judah and Israel and then you lose the 10 tribes and so now you're on the two tribes and you have uh, Jesus coming from the tribe of Judah and with his disciples he calls his disciples all from 
all from the tribe of Judah and and following him. And and then and, and then by the time he gets to the cross, there is no one left but him. And then it's like it's like Israel has been reduced unto one man and that one man dies. And so it's like Satan has successfully destroyed all of God's promised people, mm. all the promised ones. And then he's resurrected. And so now coming back, Israel is reborn and now begins to establish his kingdom again. So now the 12 disciples, Judah, Judas is replaced. So you have now the 12 apostles and then Paul is added in and then you have all, all and then all other believers are added in and then the, the church is established. And now you have Israel growing again, grafted in, those of us who are Gentiles, grafted in and uh, see this beautiful picture of Israel being restored in Christ, who is now the king of Israel, the king of of, of kings. Uh, it's just an amazing uh, message. I think that's what Zechariah is referring to. Cool. I noticed it did, you mentioned that uh, before I thought you were going to, before I knew you were going to draw a comparison between this Joshua and possibly Christ, mm-hmm. it does call him the high priest. Yes. Which is his role. Exactly. And I think that's, today. I think that's the, re- the revelation that Zechariah is giving. Yeah. That he's not only king, he is our high priest. priest. And, and Hebrews affirms that as well. Neat. Love it. Okay. Um, second question, Revelation 20, uh, versus kind of seven through ten area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I this is this hits home this week to me because on Saturday our men's group men's Bible study uh, had finished up Revelation and mm-hmm. we were also excited to get to the end because it's been doom and gloom and the world's <laughs> ending and it's like yes finally Jesus is back and it's all over. You have a new earth. Yeah. Yeah, I have a new earth and then and it's like Jesus he comes and he reigns. There's a new Jerusalem. It's huge and. Um, cubular mm-hmm. and uh, the Borg ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my wife hates it. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and Satan is bound. And then there's a little footnote that says, "So Satan, at the end of the thousand years, Satan gets released to deceive the nations uh, for a time." And and we're like, "Excuse me, sir." Yeah. What now? So um, just wanted to see me? what your um, now uh, full. You know, go into this full knowledge. There are there there are groups who believe that like Revelation, at least this section, mm-hmm. maybe possibly refers to the Church Age, where Satan like that would be now, right? Where Satan's released now and deceiving nations, which he is doing. Um, in in fairness, right. so. Um, what, what's your what's your thoughts? Well, let me let me first clarify that because there are three viewpoints of the millennial millennium reign, millennial reign of Christ. There is um, the there is a viewpoint that as you say all millennial, which means there is no actual literal millennial reign where Jesus comes and reigns for a thousand years. That it's all metaphoric and or analogous to what we are going through right now. That this mm-hmm. is the reign of Christ is the church. Uh, he is the head of the, the the we are the bride of Christ. He is the head the body of Christ. Um, and so forth. And so some people see everything that's being played out as being played out now in mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. symbolism. And and please, if you know people who believe like that, don't think that they're heretics or whatever. They're sure. they're literally looking at things and and you once you start down a particular path of believing this is that this is symbolic, then you, it is a natural conclusion. Yeah, for sure. Um and and, not and, and nothing nothing different. fits together perfectly right. no matter which plan you take, no matter which path you take. We'll need God to sort that out for us. Then there but there is uh, there's the all millennial. Then there's what's called the uh, premillennial. Those who believe. Uh, probably the Gen Xers, right? That. Yeah, <laughs> the people before you, yeah, the Gen Xers are the ones before the millennials. Uh, the uh, 
<laughs> Thank you for that. Um, I would be premillennial in that case. Yeah, right. um, but the um, postmillennial Gen Z. Uh, but the <laughs> premillennial uh, means that you believe that uh, there's a literal thousand-year reign, but we will be raptured before uh, that Jesus will come back and we'll be raptured before that. Uh, postmillennial believe, means you believe that uh, there will be a millennial reign, but then uh, the rapture comes after that, or th- that the dead in Christ rise after that. Um, they are all um, uh, difficult positions. Uh, premillennial by far is the most uh, popular. Uh, and became very popular with uh, best-selling uh, book series. Yeah, exactly, a best-selling book series based on dispensationalism, which is really a last-century kind of thing that hasn't really been uh, there throughout the history of the church. But uh, but uh, it's, it's it's novel, and and so <laughs> uh, that's the um, literal. <laughs> that was a pun. Um, but uh, but as far as uh, Daniel said, what's my opinion on it? Um, there's there's a few things that are happening here. It says that um, the uh, it says, verse four, it says, then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw the, saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, who had not worshiped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. Uh, this is the first resurrection. I, I think that to me the key is in that in that passage there that um, that you have that you have this millennial reign of Christ. Uh, I I I personally believe that Jesus comes once. Um, there's not a double uh, return. I don't think there's a, a raw rapture. The, yeah. I don't think we're raptured up and there's seven years of, of time there. Uh, I think that uh, the time of the great tribulation may be seven years, but I think we will be here uh, during it if he. Uh, if he takes me out beforehand, I won't complain. Hallelujah, I won't right. say, hey, please leave me there, because that's, that's my interpretation. Um, I need that pin. <laughs> yeah, try, try, try. I want to get this right. Uh, don't mess it up for me. I won't complain. But uh, I, And that's because of the way I see tribulation around the world. I think it's a very Americanized idea uh, to think that we will not, uh, that we are above suffering, uh, because tribulation is something that is occurring all around the world all the time. And uh, we've been immune from it. But the idea that we will never have to taste suffering uh, is is very naive, and that uh, uh, whether that we are here for the great tribulation or not, uh, there's a lot of tribulation. I mean, if you're in a war-torn country and being persecuted for your beliefs and your family is killed uh, for their faith, uh, you're not thinking, wow, thank goodness we didn't suffer during the great tribulation. That right. would be so much worse, um, because it's, it is the great tribulation for you. Uh, tribulation is tribulation. We're talking about on a worldwide scale something happening and so forth, and that is just given to us not because of me trying to be safe from it or whatever, but just saying uh, it's a, a precursor to the end. Uh, and and I, I do believe that will happen, that there will be a great tribulation and so forth. But uh, but I believe w- uh, when Jesus comes, he comes, uh, he sets up his reign. Uh, I do believe in a millennial reign of Christ, that he will reign. Um, but but that is not, uh, again, is not that final resurrection, is not the end where all the judgment seat is set up. And, and when you see that in chapter 21 where he sets up the judgment seat, all the dead are raised for good, uh, all the dead who died. And so, so you still have a world of people who some are followers of Christ, some are not followers of Christ. Um, 
you know, if you reflect on it, a thousand years is just a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about a thousand years of that reign and all the things that would be transpiring during that period of time, uh, a lot of life to be lived. And during that time, apparently, uh, there is a, um, there's a, 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 a period of time when people who are not following him and God gives their, it's like God is giving them an opportunity to follow the one they want to follow. Mm. It's like, I'm going to release your hero who is Satan Mm. and give you, and just to, this is it. You've had, you've had the, I've given you my son, Jesus, and held him up for a thousand years. You've had every opportunity to follow him, but you don't want to, you don't want to be a part of this. So I'm going to release your hero and then it's going to end. And, uh, and I, and I think that's, uh, that's how I interpret it as to why it happens like that. I don't think it's like, uh, um, um, I think it's, it, that's why I think all millennialism is appealing to some because they're like, surely we've already done that. Sure. <laughs> surely that's happened. <laughs> um, but, um, I don't, I don't, I personally don't believe that has happened. That's yeah, interesting. Cause like from Jesus on like, okay, let's, let's start with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's start before Jesus. Yeah. God, God reveals himself a little bit and right. says, now choose. Right? right. And then Jesus comes on the scene and then there's a trial and he says, now choose. And then the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, which is supposed to be better for us. And he says, now choose. Right. And then um, throughout this, throughout the book of Revelation, it's like this whole God is obvious. Like it says the world is hostile to God. They believe he's doing it. Right. Now choose. And they're hostile. Right. And then Jesus is king on earth as everyone always wanted him to be. Now choose. Yeah. And then it's okay. You've had that for a thousand years. (laughs) You chose and it's done. And everyone's had the opportunity to to make the decision and it's done. Uh, But it's so great how God gives us time, chance after chance. And when we think we've had our last chance, he's like, I I just, I want to show you myself even more. Like, come to me, come to me, come to me. My greatest admonition to people who read the book of Revelation, because I've seen so many people who were so knowledgeable of Revelation, but their lives were a complete wreck. Mm. And had no no sense of doing that which God has given us to do it, it, is to be careful. Uh, there are 65 other books mm. that are very 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 important, mm. and and Revelation is was God's message was given to the church at a time where they were being persecuted. They believed it was going to the world was going to end that Roman Rome was going to exterminate the church that they would all be killed and the church would not persevere. And God gave that revelation to John to say, no, it's not going to end. And and really, that part's been fulfilled. I mean, that message still maintains true. We still worry the same thing. We still worry that the enemies of God are going to gather together and they're going to stamp out the church right. and our light is going to be put out. And he's like, no, still still the same, <laughs> still the same. It won't happen. It's not going to do it. It's going to look. And, and Revelation, he's like, you think it's bad now? It can get a lot worse. And I tell people that. It's like when they're like, oh, what if this person gets elected? And what if Congress does this? And what? It's like you do know this is going to get worse, right? right, right. It's going to get bad, not just here, but everywhere. And it's and, – and all you can say is it's like um, – it's like um, it compares it to a woman in labor, um, and if you've ever had children, or your wife has ever been in labor, <laughs> or you've oh, ever, yes. or you've been a woman who's in labor, uh, it gets really bad right up there to the very to the very end. I can remember every time, uh, as each of my children was going to be born, my wife would look at me and say, "We will never have another child ever." If you even look at me the wrong way, I will shoot you. Uh, and uh, and and I was like and and truly believed that because it was just rough. 
but once the baby was born, it was like all that fades away, mm-hmm. and and uh, and and that's the way this will be. Yeah. It will get really bad before it gets really good, yeah. and it, when it gets good, it'll get really really good. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's a great spot to end it. I think. Um, looking forward to next season. Me too. Wow. I'm already enjoying the reading. I'm I I'm so I, I I keep thinking it's going to get boring at some point, but <laughs> hadn't yet. That's and right. so, so I hope again, that's my plug. If you haven't started the Bible reading, go to our website at fbcj.us. It's first Baptist church, Jackson, uh, us, fbcj.us and look for reading plan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like I said, just pick up, you can pick up in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We've uh, now, like Daniel said, we've got a podcast. You can go back and uh, listen to the ones that match where you're reading. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.